0: and now a special announcement from super special temporary long-term measuring flicks co-host bird
1: we thought it was high time that measuring flicks showed its support for the black community in a tangible way by exploring their art and their stories so during the month of june we will highlight black directors both for the main season and for the patreon episodes since june is also pride month the patreon episodes focus on queer themes in addition We are both white and recognize that we carry ingrained biases and beliefs about people of color as well as inherent racism. We're going to have some tough conversations this month and we are certain to fuck up. Please know that we're working off mic to educate ourselves so that we might do better in the future.
0: Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone and welcome to Measuring Flicks I'm Max Peterson And I'm Bird And it's the month of June I'm 30 years old (laughs) I got older Welcome to the old club We went so long between episodes that I physically aged <laughs> In between them My, I rolled over into a new decade <laughs> In between episodes, man We have <laughs> We've been away from the mics just a little bit too long um, So, uh, welcome back everyone To the hot mess that is the quarantine tapes Series of Measuring Flicks To be fair I feel like
1: this is mostly my fault <laughs>
0: A lot of it's like Bird, you want to watch a movie or like, do you want to watch Adventure Time? And I'm like, yeah, I guess, yeah. sure. And then it's yeah. twelve, twelve midnight on Saturday, and I'm like, oh, another Saturday with no episode. We, g- but you know what though, we just kind of like bumped everything a couple days because things. I've been looking at the uh, the old uh, Spotify, and it looks like things are dropping on like Tuesday now.
1: Okay.
0: Fairly regularly, just not not super regularly. So, Bird and I had a plan for June and July, and then at the beginning of this month. Things just, the world went, you know, f- just further. Even further sideways. Even further sideways than it had. Um As it should. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just um there, we had this, we had, we were starting to build a structure. We were putting together our episodes. We're like, okay, we're going to get our feet under us. The pandemic kind of fucked a lot of stuff up. It was really scary and stressful and blah, blah, blah. But we've got our shit together and then... We were like, okay, well, now we can't. We we have to we have to take the world into account and and change change our plans. So we sat down and we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do for June, and we scrapped everything we had planned, and we're gonna do an entire. We're doing this entire month, all black directors, and I think they're the Patreon ones are both black female directors.
1: At least one of them is.
0: Yeah, The Watermelon Woman. Oh, and we're going to we'll let you know... Oh, it,
1: Pariah is. Pariah definitely.
0: is as well. Okay, so both of them. So we're going to let you know all the movies that we're going to watch this month. So if you want to play along at home, today we're going to talk about 1989's Do the Right Thing, directed by Spike Lee, who also wrote and produced and starred in it, mm-hmm. uh, co-starring Ossie Davis, Danny Aiello, Richard Edson, Ruby Dee, Giancarlo Esposito, Bill Nunn, John Tortoro... Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. I never know how to say this actress's name. I think it's Joy Lee. It's J-O-I-E. And then uh, Rosie Perez in her first role as Tina. But uh, So we're going to start with Do the Right Thing for many reasons, which we'll get into. Get Out, Fruitvale Station, and Widows. And over on the Patreon, we're going to cover The Watermelon Woman and Pariah. These all look amazing. We probably spent, what, an hour just watching trailers um, yeah, just a
1: couple too, like just the handful that the synopsis jumped out to us.
0: Right. Yeah, we we did some research and we were we Synopsies. were we were looking for a night a good broad range of yeah. topics. And actually, it, it goes we decided to go even further than that. We ended up with way more movies than we could possibly cover in one month. So we were thinking like, okay, well what what do we do? Um we knew that we didn't want to just Keep doing every every single month we, we like the idea of fluctuating themes and stuff So we decided that We have two open slots every month For basically whatever movies we want They don't have to be on a theme So we took those extras The extra films that we just didn't have space to cover in June Arranged them And put them as our two Patreon flicks we month. still
1: really wanted to watch these. Ones. Yeah,
0: there there are some really really amazing films. The one that I think I'm most excited for is called I Am Not a Witch, Ooh, which yeah. is like this. It's a it's um uh it's about a young girl who
1: mysteriously shows up in a village.
0: I th- I think well the trailer's a little vague, but yeah. it's kind of got that like I w- I was trying to describe it to Bird, and I was like, it looks like this Guillermo del Toro esque like dangerous fantasy story but yeah so july august and september are all all, in the patreon are all also going to be movies by black directors um oh no is it a
1: spider no it's a mayfly
0: Okay, I don't mind mayflies, I just can't deal with the, the creepy crawly spiders. Alright, before we dig in to do the right thing, we want, and because we've been talking about Patreon so much, we should probably let you know where you can go and listen to these cool episodes about, um, you know, like, cool, hip, trendy, queer black women in video stores. <laughs> if you head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M, you can get Full-length bonus episodes like the ones we've been talking about for a couple minutes. Uh, and you can also get uh, shout-outs on the show. The The comments section alone in, like, the main feed is worth the price of admission, which, by the way, right now is free. Um, I'm not paywalling anything uh, until, basically until COVID wraps up, just because we're trying to support... Our community now just because everything's free doesn't mean that if you don't want to chuck us a couple bucks and uh help us keep these mics in working order and keep the lights on you can feel free to go and become a patron over there and uh if you are a patron you get super cool shout outs like this we would like to thank genuinely and from the bottom of our hearts as we <laughs> work out the hot <laughs> the hot burning garbage mess that is our show our little quarantine tapes Well. Carl and I are kept apart by the ravages of illness. Thank you, Brian Jackson, Connor Sweeney, who I'm, I reached out to him and I'm very much hoping that we can get uh, the the ghost of his opinions <laughs> in on uh, on the episode the and get out. The
1: ghost of Connor Sweeney? Yeah, we'll get- <laughs> the ghost of living man hey Connor Sweeney? <laughs> Max, I don't know if you knew this, but
0: I was looking up the other day about Get Out and uh, the direct... That's not at all how he sounds, but like th- that's how his ghost would sound. It would have that oh. like reedy, high, irritating, like, well, did you know? It'd be that.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> Connor can take it. He's used to it. I've said worse. Uh, I've know. said much worse you things so than have. that about Connor. <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank uh, Danielle Hartley. Is that right? I'm trying.
1: Is it better? <laughs> Is it better than it's been? I phone? thought it was Daniele Hartelli.
0: Oh, God. See, it's been so long since I, I said her name. Hand, too, I'm like. old and forgetful now. 30, 30 years old.
1: Hey, 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 No, no, no. <laughs>
0: also 30. Yeah, no, no. But you're you're different, though. You age, you're aging oh. gracefully. Oh, beautifully. I'm getting, like, white hairs in my sideburns, and mm. I'm getting scoliosis like in my no. butt, and it's just bad. Thirties just... No. no, I'm kidding. I feel awesome. Mm. <laughs> Uh, we'd like to thank David Rowney, and David, on a personal level, I would like to thank you very much for the um, message group, Measuring Flicks Marrieds. You pose questions that send me into like philosophical black holes for an hour most mornings. I wake up and I'm like, oh, what'd David say? And then I go get a cup of coffee and just ponder your, <laughs> your paradoxes. Uh, we'd also like to thank Jeffrey Morgan. Carl Hartley, who I'm hoping I can get the ghost of Carl in on one of these uh, upcoming June episodes as well. Casey Scheibe, Kelly and Mike Wagner. K-Ram, Kevin Ramirez. <laughs> you got it. You legit try and try and say his name without saying K-Ram. It's impossible. Move on. Okay. Uh, sister Sarah Hartley and William Rockwood. And just to take care of everything up top, if you want to drop us a line, which at the end of this episode, you may want to drop us a line chuck it over uh, to measuring flicks podcast at gmail.com all right now you we played a bumper at the beginning of this episode yes sir, we did but there is one thing that's there's something in the bumper that I wanted us to talk about on the show okay which was when we decided to do this we wanted to, we were we wanted to be very aware of how we approached these set of films you know that this month's films. I think that it would be easy for us to, I think it would be easy for anyone, mm-hmm. especially given the current climate and the the current passions and tensions. And I mean, the news is horror. It's legitimate mm-hmm. horror. It's ter- It's awful. It would be easy to come to these films only through that lens. And we talked about how that would be, could be offensive and patronizing. Oh, yeah. We wanted to approach, Measuring Flicks has been going on for, we're in season three right now, technically. So we're like midway through the third year of talking about movies. And we have talked about a very wide range of movies from exploitation films like Truck Turner, which is awesome, and uh, uh, The Mac, which is not awesome. <laughs> we've talked about really problematic films like Straw Dogs. But one thing that we've always done with these movies is we've always approached them as a piece of art made by... Group of artists working in tandem, and we don't want to approach any of these films only through the lens of current events because we think that that is would be a disservice to the artists that made the films that we're going to watch. That's why we put the bumper up top is because just like with Straw Dogs, when Carl and I tried to talk our way through that fucking evil stew of a film, (laughs) sometimes the films force you into positions that you are uncomfortable because mm-hmm. that's what art does.
1: If you're gonna grow
0: yeah as a person yeah you have you're to make
1: mistakes you mm-hmm.
0: I took my parents to this last year right? You didn't go This was one of the ones You skipped I
1: may it. have been working
0: Yeah I think you were This one played at the Bijou This is the first film I ever saw at the Bijou By I the way I still
1: haven't seen a movie there You've never been to the Bijou? <laughs> no Oh the Bijou I was there when I was a kid When it was like a museum or something. That doesn't
0: count That's like I technically have seen The Beach Boys But I don't ever tell people That I've seen the <laughs> Beach Boys <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so you tell people all the time that you've seen That them was my first child. concert, yeah. And I, I was so embarrassed by that for so many years <laughs> until I heard pet sounds. And then I was like, oh, wait, never mind. These people are geniuses. I got to see them as a child. I did not appreciate them. You had never seen this before. This was your no. first exposure. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So I went and saw this with my parents at Traverse City mom Film Mom and Festival. dad? My mom and dad. Okay. Totally packed theater.
1: Uh-huh.
0: All, all white people.
1: Well, I, well, mean, it's, I it is know, yeah. City. That's
0: some for for we do have listeners who are not local. We actually have quite a few subscribers. It's gone up since the pandemic. Right. I know people are like, mm-hmm. "I'm bored. What do I listen to?" <laughs> oh, these people talk about movies.
1: <laughs> so, I like movies,
0: <laughs> but there's a lot. Oh my god, I you lumping hit you. But like, <laughs> we've been watching a lot of Adventure Time. But um, yeah. If you don't know about Traverse City, Traverse City is a pretty white place.
1: It's wh- to- a rich white town. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's a rich white town in in southern Michigan. Uh
1: Southern Michigan. I'm from the Michigan? UP.
0: This is Southern Michigan. <laughs> There's no northern, northern Michigan. Northern lower Michigan. Oh god, you want to get into this whole I do. debate. I will fight you. Control.
1: <laughs> I cut you.
0: <laughs> I'll cut you So I went and saw this movie and what I was really struck uh-huh. by was a lot of there was a lot of chatter and oh yeah, and they introduced the film and the film starts playing. The opening looks like a music video for a while and then it starts Oh yeah,
1: the dance Right, but, Part with but the title sequence. Yeah,
0: but then it it starts to look like to me like almost a performance art piece because it's so unchanging. It's so mon in a good way. It's so monotone in mm-hmm. its content. It's just one woman dancing in a somewhat particular way. They change her outfit and stuff, and it's the I can't I don't know, I'm assuming the song is called "Fight the Power" by Public Enemy. But I think so That's the chorus It's just Fight the Power Right over over. So I'm just gonna assume <laughs> That the song is called Fight the Power I should've looked it up But um You know they put Boxing gloves on her And she literally It's Rosie Perez And she's You know she's like Punching at the But it goes on it, It's the whole song mm-hmm. And it's just that With the credits Rolling over and it. And it There is a point Where you're like Oh we're still doing this
1: and, I did ask you if Spike Lee got his start doing music videos, which
0: you found out today that he directed the music video for Fight the Power by yeah. Public Enemy, which, which may is, have
1: actually just been the girl dancing. It could have been the <laughs> intro to do the right
0: thing. I mean, I don't know, but man, that was a quiet crowd. Let me tell you what. I didn't you didn't hear like laughter and chatter until people were back out in the sun and dispersing. Like the filing silently out of the out of the room. There were these like pockets of discussion where um, I remember one, a man in his 50s with his wife, and they were talking as they were, like, kind of making their way away from the theater, and I was just trailing along behind them. But they were talking, and the guy was like, I don't know, I just, I like to go to a movie to be entertained. I don't want all this political crap, you know? And it was like, there was that, but then there was also, you know, little pockets of conversation where it's like, it's just it's it's 1989, and these are the same things that we're dealing with today, which is what you and I
1: ended up Mm -hmm. talking about,
0: like... If you haven't ever seen "Do the Right Thing," right now is exactly the right time for you to watch it. It's on Vudu. It's cheap to rent. You should buy it. Um, this is this was. It's just the first. This was the second Spike Lee movie I'd ever seen. My first one, "Inside Man." It's a bank heist movie with <laughs> with Clive Owen and uh, Denzel Washington, and it's so different in tone from this mm-hmm. that when I saw "Do the Right Thing," I was like, "That must be like a different director." Right? Like this can't possibly be like a
1: different Spike Lee? <laughs> yeah, I was like,
0: it must be the other famous black director, Spike Lee. The two of them, you know. But what were your big takeaways from it?
1: Oh man. Um what did I s- Well, did
0: you like it? I guess we should start with.
1: Yeah, I did. I totally did. Yeah, um, it's awesome. A lot. There's such energy to it. And I love the uh, musical yeah. choices. It's just like it's really fun and and like exuberant
0: i think it might be the
1: very end
0: there's this movie yeah this movie does a great job of weaving lines of tension Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. different tension too there's tension between oh shit danny aiello's character the guy who owned the sal sal between mookie and sal Mm
1: -hmm. between
0: pino and Vito, between mookie and pino between tina and mookie between mother, sister, and the mayor. Mm-hmm. Between bugging Out and Sal. Between bugging Out and people in his neighborhood. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Buggin' Out's like, what a great character, right? He's just, he's got his, like, everything from his big round glasses to his Jordans to his his ankle his weights. wild hair. It's
1: 1989,
0: but it is, it is like, that late, that late stage 80s fashion oh, yeah. where it's- just everyone's in like (laughs) like day glow rayon man it's just the best i'm very pleased (laughs) (laughs) it's it is really really good um yeah so it it and also another thing i love about this movie is it takes place over 24 hours yeah it is one 24 hour period in one neighborhood pretty much down to like just a couple blocks like it's awesome i love that the movie opens with samuel L. jackson Mm-hmm. And he's there, you know.
1: It ends with him as well.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And it ends Book with... Book ends. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's something really powerful about giving us the next morning and not mm-hmm. ending on... The, it's it's beautiful and so sad. But also, there's, there's so much going on in the end simply by having Samuel L. Jackson pop back up and start his next shift on the radio. Well,
1: life goes on after things like that. Right. You still have to keep on
0: yeah yeah and we'll, we'll we can save the end till the end but one of the things I'm always left the two I've seen this twice now um and one of the things that I remember I was left with at the the first time I saw it and more so now is you wonder which way the the rest of the days are gonna go mm-hmm. at the end it's like, are, is this neighborhood going to go back to business as usual and some other business will pop up and it'll continue to be this kind of insulated neighborhood where the cops roll through every once in a while and nothing really changes and everything is static or will there be a lasting change mm-hmm. at the end of this? And I love that the movie lets you sit with that. Yeah. it's. I think it's super cool. Um,
1: I, I feel like it puts it out to the audience. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about the title? Throughout the whole film I was trying to figure out what the title meant. I assumed that it was meant for Mookie to do the right thing. Because and I was waiting for it and I was waiting for it.
0: There is a line where Mookie is out doing he's on his way to he's I think he's doing pizza deliveries and he's in a hurry mm-hmm. and Mayor who is a he's like a sort of jovial um kind of grandfatherly alcoholic who lives on the street who lives on this block mm-hmm. doctor because he calls everyone doctor right and he goes doctor and Mookie's I'm in a hurry man I gotta go to work and he goes doctor this will only take a minute and he goes all right I'm listening and he goes and he says always do the right thing and you're mm-hmm. like it comes out of nowhere the, and it's the title of the film and it just right. pops out of nowhere and then Mookie's gone And he's back hustling that buck, which is a theme that comes up again and again, which is like Tina's always saying like, oh, yeah, you're out hustling a buck. But you're so busy making a buck that you forgot about, you know, me and your son. He goes, I didn't forget about my son. But we see Mookie really preoccupied with like.
1: But he's also not like very dedicated to earning money either. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's he's sort of at ends with himself. Everyone in this movie is so real.
1: Oh, yeah. So multifaceted and like deeply thought through
0: right um, uh, people have multiple motivations so mm-hmm. often in movies you get like the hero wants the treasure and he doesn't seem to want anything else unless it's the girl you know what i mean right. and that's lazy mm-hmm. this is r- spike lee who by the he way wrote it as well yeah and he mm-hmm. he was writing another movie on the set of this one apparently he was writing mo Betta blues on set he wrote this script in two weeks but like he, the
1: neighborhood is based on his neighborhood. Yeah. In yeah. Brooklyn.
0: I think that's why there's such a sense of reality to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like every single person, you get the sense that when the camera goes away, they're still there thinking
1: That's they're still doing their shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I love I love that sometimes I love how fucking Pino will like pop up in the background and just mean mug people. <laughs> Just like deep in the oh, background, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, people come back again and again. It's yeah. very like cyclical.
0: We, we One of the things we shout out on the show a lot is directors who, for whatever reason, a lot of directors seem to have trouble thinking in depth, mm-hmm. like putting interesting things in the background as well. Steve McQueen, another director we're going to cover this month with Widows, is a fucking genius when it comes <laughs> to, to using
1: depth. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, man. When you've when you've seen his other flicks, like
1: it's it's not the
0: same cinematographer, but Spike Lee has got has got that sensibility. He uses, he puts people up and down stoops. He'll put the more interesting people in the background to draw Mm -hmm. your eye deeper into the neighborhood, which
1: So that you're listening to the dialogue and you're hearing which is or you're hearing things and you're seeing something else happen. yeah, Yeah, yeah.
0: There's there's so much for you to it's so realistic. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's that thi- If you were walking down the street, you would hear this conversation, but you might be looking at mother-sister sitting in her window, mm-hmm. or you'd be watching the ice cream truck, or you'd be...
1: Watching the Korean grocery across the street yeah. while Sal is talking <laughs> right. to Pino. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Well, one of the... Yeah, the... Oh, my God. That the Sal and an Pino shot. Yeah. Two amazing actors. Because that is what you have in that scene. Danny Aiello sitting across from John Tortoro and mm-hmm. they talk about they
1: Little baby John Tortoro.
0: Baby John Tortoro. <laughs> baby John Tortoro can still act like a oh, motherfucker yeah. though. He is so good in this. By the way, uh the director, the main character, Mookie, mm-hmm. is the director Spike Lee.
1: Yeah. He's
0: good in this too.
1: Oh dude, yeah. I love his like laconic yeah. way of moving. I feel like he never <laughs> like looks at things directly. He just kind of is like, yeah, whatever, and kind of like looking well, around. I
0: feel I almost feel like Mookie can't focus his eyes on anything because he's too busy rolling them. You know what I mean? True, like he's yeah. got that like. Yeah. I just love that no one rattles this guy's cage, yeah. which makes the ending to me, or that I would say the climax to me, more shocking. Mm -hmm. more surprising, the bit with the trash can. Which I have a great Spike Lee quote
1: about that, by the way. We'll get to it, yeah. Hang on, can we circle back to the title?
0: Yeah, (laughs) circle back to the title. Do the right thing.
1: All right, so I kept trying to figure out what he was meant to do. And then, of course, the trash can scene, I was like, wait, that wasn't the right thing? Let's Or was it the right thing? But I don't think the title was meant for him. I think it was meant for the audience.
0: Ah. I think
1: the quotes... After the film ends, and also, um,
0: you want to read. You want me to Samuel
1: read? L. Jackson's uh, like closing or opening, whichever. I don't remember um, what he's saying on the radio station.
0: His opening. He's on. like talking
1: about how the weather's going to be, and um, I've got a note here. Hang on. Where is it? Uh, register to vote. Uh, I don't know why I wrote say their names, but um, that's here as well. I feel like it's meant, Mister
0: it, Senor Love Daddy. We love Roll Call, y'all. Boogie Down Productions, Rob Bass, Dana Dane, Marley Marl. I mean, this you can see it right here.
1: Oh, not where he's talking about the musicians.
0: Oh, okay, okay. It's the
1: very end, very end of the film. Um, I think it's meant to tell the audience, y'all need to do the right thing. You need to go out and vote. You need to keep your eyes open. You need to create better communities.
0: I think you're totally right about that. I think that, but I also think that, based on the squirrely intricate tapestry mosaic vibe that i get from this especially in the in the the way that it's structured and written Mm -hmm. i think that there's i think that spike lee is working every element of this movie in five directions at once and because he is a magician he makes it work mookie throws we should probably talk about just this trash can scene which is amazing and because we've always assumed that the listeners have watched the movie so that we don't have to recap right. the events of the entire oh, right. film. But when Mookie picks up that trash can and throws it through the window of Sal's pizzeria,
1: mm-hmm.
0: at the very end of this, like, blazingly, insanely hot day, in the immediate aftermath of this horrible tragedy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: does did Mookie do the right thing? Or, because we see mookie sitting or sitting on the curb as people are sprinting by and cops are chasing people down it's horrifying when he's sitting on that curb he looks so sick and crestfallen and defeated and mm-hmm. empty that i wonder at that point is this mookie wondering if he did do the right thing or is this mookie dealing with the fallout of being forced to do the right thing if mookie is thinking like shit I I should have done the right thing and I didn't or if he's thinking I wish I I wish I hadn't had to have done that but it was the right thing to do Mm -hmm. and he's dealing with the consequences of doing the right thing in that moment Spike Lee has an amazing quote about this moment he says since this movie came out fans have he's like fans and people who've seen the movie come up and ask why the hell did Mookie throw the fucking trash can through Mm -hmm. Sal's it does seem to kind of come out of left field but the end of his quote is, never since this movie has come out has any black person ever asked me why Mookie threw the trash can through the window. That quote alone might be a great starting point mm-hmm. to viewing this movie and to understanding the like chasm between life experiences. Yeah, I watched this movie the first time I saw this I I was shocked that Mookie threw that through the through the trash can through the window. Now in 2020, middle of June
1: mm-hmm.
0: the trash can makes a little more sense
1: yeah it definitely does so do you want just providing the catalyst that he knew that there needed to be
0: I'm wondering you know what can I read the two quotes from the end of the film yeah all right it's hard to talk about this without talking about the climax because the rest of the movie is kind of like a really a really like in-depth and beautifully textured look at one neighborhood Mm-hmm. In like... It's so... It's very poetic. Yeah. I, I would say that this is the most realistic and believable neighborhood I've ever seen on film. You know what I mean? Like, this place... Oh, yeah. This place... Dude, like, I want to go there. Yeah. it's It feels inhabited. Yes. Every, it's like that Akira Kurosawa thing where every... You, you imagine that every building and every room of every building has a real person in it that could walk out and talk to Mookie and it would just be totally normal. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how yeah. real this place feels. But, you know, that... Not a lot happens until the climax, which is kind of the point of the movie. It's this slow bubble. It also
1: makes you love the characters in the community. Yeah. You know, through this long introduction where you are meeting all these different people and you're learning all about them and their backstories and their hopes and their fears and the things that make them mad.
0: This is a predominantly black neighborhood, but Mm -hmm. we also do have like there's that one group that gets into the boombox battle With Radio the, like, Mexican Rahim guys? Yeah there's like this This definitely or Hispanic Yeah I was I, uh-huh. I was just gonna say Latino I don't I uh-huh. don't really know But um, But they're all hanging out on a stoop And then there's a Korean segment Of this neighborhood
1: Yeah the mom and dad And the son who own the grocery
0: Right And there's Two separate One of them is as a throwaway joke Really the only white people In the neighborhood Are Sal's Pizzeria And his two sons Right they're Italians. Yes. Which I think is important that they're Italians because they are another right. immigrant class. If you go if you go back in history where this is 1989, if you go back not too terribly far, less than 100 years, Italians were treated like shit as well. Right. So I think that Spike Lee is really aware of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, after Sal after Sal's burns, the mob turns and the, the there's one guy in the mob who in the the, the rioting mob who we saw earlier, who is individually racist against Koreans? the three guys who are sitting yeah, under yeah, the I'm umbrella. Yeah, I'm trying to. Um, there's, there's. It's the
1: the really old guy with the hat, right?
0: That with the like, yeah, 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 yeah. The he's got like his eyes are always kind of squinty, and he he seems like the oldest of the three yeah. men who sit under the umbrella. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. that interesting moment where they're all sitting there, and the white cops roll by, and they're all pissed off about it. As soon as the cops pass and they're like, that's the problem with this neighborhood. And that guy goes, no, you know what the problem with this neighborhood is? Look at that. Look at those, you know, Koreans. They've been off the boat one year. And he goes off on this like tirade against this Korean grocery. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that the other two guys there are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go buy something. I'm gonna go buy a beer from them right now. Oh yeah, can, what
1: is it? Slick dick Willie or Sweet what? Dick Willie. Sweet Dick
0: Willie. Sweet Dick He's Willie. Like,
1: I like that Korean grocery. Yeah. I'm gonna go buy a beer right now.
0: Yeah, so he goes and buys that beer, but I think it's I think it's important that at the end of the film, when they when the when the mob burns, when the crowd burns Sal's and mm-hmm. they turn, they all turn to the other side of the street, and that guy goes, Now it's your turn, motherfuckers. And he goes to burn the Korean mm-hmm. grocery down and the owner is swinging a broom and he goes I'm black.
1: This is you and I we're the same. Yeah, you and I were mm-hmm. the same
0: and he's like we're not the same. but that one but I I thought that that was a brilliant way to highlight and I mean Radio Rahim patronized that store earlier that day to get his 20, 20. D cell <laughs> batteries for his fucking gigantic boombox.
1: I feel like that boombox is as big as I am.
0: It's incredible. It's Oh, dude, it's it's like a thing of beauty. And when you have the volume cranked on your like big speakers, any scene with his boombox in it, and your speakers are like vibrating their way off your shelves as they should be, as they should be. It's so good. But okay, after this, so at the at the end of this movie, what happens basically is one of the characters, Radio Rahim, is choked to death by a white police officer. Other white police officers present are trying to stop it from happening. And this one guy just straight Not up. Not hard enough. Yeah, right. Just like just
1: kind of yelling at it. and him. then they
0: immediately co- tr- cover it up afterwards. Like we gotta yeah, get the, the
1: first thing they do is say the, like stop faking it.
0: Yeah, it's to horrible. like shift blame. But like that's the catalyst. Sal's burns. It's just the streets turn into hell for like that night, and then things things have
1: right. We wake up with um, mother sister.
0: Uh, well, we the first person we see when we wake up is DeMayer and he's in Mother Sister's bed. right But yeah, it's that these... I, and I think that's a really important decision, filmmaking decision too, structurally, is to...
1: Because we also woke up with DeMayer in the first place.
0: Right. The, yeah, DeMayer's the first one who opens his eyes after Sammy J tells everyone it's going to be over right. 100 the entire day. <laughs> it is hot. Yeah. And then he wakes up the next day and there's... See, that's a really cool structural tool that Spike Lee uses. He's like, here's what happened this day. And it ends with something so unbelievably traumatic that you think that nothing could ever possibly be the same ever again. And then the sun goes down, and when the sun comes up, we wake up with Demayer again. Mm -hmm. And he goes out to face the day, and Samuel L. Jackson has just sat down at his shift, and Mookie went to get paid. And, I mean, it's that everyone, everyone has been screaming it since since the coronavirus came out but like it is that thing of like no matter what trauma we seem to be trapped in this loop mm-hmm. where it shit just repeats and nothing ever changes. Yeah. Let me cover these quotes that the film ends with and then I want to yes. talk about the the inciting incident which is the wall of fame. So at the end so all this has happened, credits go down and rather than go right into the credits, we get two scrolling quotes. The first from Martin Luther King Jr and the second from Malcolm X. So the the film ends, and you're sitting there stunned. And then the first quote that rolls is, and we've just seen an extre- a lot of violence at the end of this. Someone's mm-hmm. strangled to death. There's beatings, and the building's burned down. It's that, and by the way, Let's talk about this after the quotes. But the Dutch, his use of Dutch tilts is amazing all through. I've never seen all throughout. Yeah. I've never seen so many Dutch tilts and outside of the Batman TV show. I love his
1: also his use of the like confessional style shot where he just has the camera centered on yeah. one person and they're just speaking straight into the camera. Yeah, like well, they're talking to you
0: constantly breaks the fourth wall constantly, which is is cool. A lot of filmmakers are like, no, you have to let's let's build an illusion, but. That's part of what makes this neighborhood so real. The people on the street turn and talk to you. You're Mm -hmm. here. You're in the neighborhood. You're there. Such effective filmmaking. But at the end of the at the end of the movie, there's a quote, and it says, "Violence as a way of achieving racial justice is both impractical and immoral. It is impractical because it is a descending spiral ending in destruction for all. The old law of an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. It is immoral because it seeks to humiliate the opponent rather than win his understanding." It seeks to annihilate rather than to convert. Violence is immoral because it thrives on hatred rather than love. It destroys community and makes brotherhood impossible. It leaves society in monologue rather than dialogue. Violence ends by destroying itself. It creates bitterness in the survivors and brutality in the destroyers. Martin Luther King Jr. And you get that and you're like, oh, Got it. Okay, it's it's such a bait and switch. You know what I mean? I love it. It
1: totally is because yeah.
0: when that, you see that scroll and you're like, whew, as a white viewer, you're like, "Oh, thank God, Spike Lee told me what I what to think." <laughs> that like legitimately <laughs> at the end of it, you're and you're like, "Whoo!" There's the film's thesis. Oh wait, there's another quote, and another mm-hmm. quote rolls right behind it. I think there are plenty of good people in America but there are also plenty of bad people in America and the bad ones are the ones who seem to have all the power and be in these positions to block things that you and I need. Because this is the situation, you and I have to preserve the right to do what is necessary to bring an end to that situation and it doesn't mean that I advocate violence, but at the same time I am not against using violence and self-defense. I don't even call it violence when it's self-defense, I call it intelligence, Malcolm X.
1: I love how they are. I feel like if he could have split the screen and presented them side side by by side, side, he would have. Yeah. Because they're such parallel and contrasting, but also complementary thoughts.
0: I don't know. Do you
1: think he gives the MLK quote before the Malcolm X quote to like lead us, white people, in? Kind of like soften the MLK or the um, Malcolm X quote so that we. I think it's a kind faint. of yeah. Take I think it. I think, and think we're like oh yeah. Oh no! Really?
0: No, I mean, I we and it's cool. I the way that I how did you take it before I. So the MLK quote first, kind of softened... That's what I'm
1: wondering now. But if it had been, I thought a piece of art. I, I felt f- like they would have been like. Art on a wall. I think they would have been displayed side by side. I'm thinking personally. more
0: now that the MLK quote is to soften us up for a hard right from That's Malcolm what I was X at asking. the end, where it's like, you get it's that same feeling that I had where you see the MLK quote and you're like, oh, okay, wow. Where like Spike Lee's not, okay, Spike Lee thinks that we should all, you know, brotherhood and embrace brotherhood and violence is wrong. And you, you like, let your breath out and then he hits you with Malcolm X and you're like, Oh shit, This is not a simple issue. This is not something that I can just write off. There's an, a lot of sides to this, and I think that the fact that he ends with the Malcolm X quote is is, I don't know, I don't know. it, it makes the end of the movie hit harder for me mm-hmm. because it doesn't end on this like, and what you just saw was wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. And we
0: should all be holding hands and dancing in a circle. It doesn't end with that. It ends with, I don't even call vi- I don't even call it violence when it's in self-defense. I call it intelligence. I think, I think the, the reason we end with the Malcolm X quote is a defense of the violence of do the right thing. Right. Which is like this community is being victimized by, by, the, by the, the world outside this block. Whiteness. Yeah. Well, a- I think it's really important that the cops only show, every time the cops show up, it's like a predator it's like sharks swimming through otherwise peaceful waters. Well, yeah. um, but like the way that they're the cops are treated, you really get the sense that other than the guy in the Celtics jersey who scuffs, um, scuffs yeah.
1: bugging out shoe, who uh, scuffs bugging
0: out bugging out shoe, other than that guy who I think is only in the neighborhood t- for that funny scene mm. to like make the joke, like. W- you're like, what do you? Who said you could come to my neighborhood? He's like, I own this brownstone. He's like, I love Bugging Out's line where He's like, Who told you you could buy a brownstone in my, in my neighborhood, neighborhood on, on my side, side of the street. street? Yeah, it's an awesome line. But, but I'll <laughs> go back to
1: Maryland. I was born in Brooklyn,
0: and then everyone's like, Oh, yeah. But anyway, like, like that, like, yeah, right. Like that matters. No, dude, <laughs> Brooklyn's. But I like, but in a way, like what Bugging Out's saying there, and his and the rest of the the people who come over to harass this guy in the Celtics jersey, um, is Brooklyn. Brooklyn is neighborhoods, man. Brooklyn is not one thing. This is a Mm -hmm. reject, that's like a, it's kind of like a metaphorical rejection of the Martin Luther King brotherhood idea. Hey man, I'm from Brooklyn too. Yeah, but you're not from our neighborhood, man. So you're not from our Brooklyn. I like that. You know, that, that undercurrent of tension Mm -hmm. and Sal's, Sal is most, and his sons, one of whom is shitty, one of whom is cool. They're mostly accepted because he's been there for what, 29 years, he said? Uh, uh, twenty. Like yeah, they grew. Even the everyone in the neighborhood, Sal and the people in the neighborhood, all say the same thing. We grew up on his cooking. Right. I love Sal's line. He's like, they grew up on my food, and I know that sounds stupid to you, but that's something I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. When he's talking to Pino. Yeah. So like, he's earned his place in this community. He's become. It's not about with Sal. It's not about the neighborhood. It's about the community, and he, at least, Pino definitely not, but Sal has become part of that community. I think that's cool. To a degree. Yeah. So there is this Martin Luther King idea. Um, there are other, just, I have to get this out of my system or I'm going to lose my mind. Okay. There are some references in here that I think are super cool. Okay. Do you remember the love, the love, hate, uh, they're not actually brass knuckles, but like the the rings, the love, yes. hate brass. Okay. Did you see the movie Night of the Hunter? Or you were around yes. while I was watching it, right? Robert Mitchum plays yeah. the crazy preacher who's got love and hate tattooed on his knuckles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, my God. Reverend
0: Harry Powell, when he notices... I'm reading two quotes for you right now. Reverend Harry Powell, when he notices John staring at the words love and hate tattooed across his knuckles. And this is Robert Mitchum. Ah, little lad, you're staring at my fingers. Would you like me to tell you the history of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low l o v e you see these fingers dear hearts these fingers have veins that run straight to the soul of man the right hand friends the hand of love now watch and i'll show you the story of life those fingers dear hearts is always a warring and a tugging one against other now watch em. old brother left hand left hand he's a fightin' and it looks like love's a goner but wait a minute Hot dog, love's a winning, yes sirree, it's a love that's won, And old left hand, hate is down for the count. That's straight out of Night of the Hunter. Mm -hmm. Here's Radio Rahim's speech with his love-hate brass knuckles to Mookie. Let me tell you the story of right hand, left hand. It's a tale of good and evil. Hate, it was with this hand that Cain iced his brother. Love, these five fingers, they go straight to the soul of man. The right hand, the hand of love. The story of life is this, and he interlaces his fingers just like Robert Mitchum. Mm-hmm. This is su- such a fucking great update of that speech and a cool nod to that movie, which we can talk about a little bit after this. The story of life is this, static. One hand is always fighting the other hand and the left hand is kicking much ass. I mean, it looks like the right hand love is finished, but hold on. Stop the presses. The right hand is coming back. Yeah, he's got the left hand on the ropes now. That's right. Ooh, it's a devastating right. And hate is hurt. He's down. Left hand hate KO'd by love. I fucking love that Spike Lee doesn't just nod to Night of the Hunter. Mm -hmm. Raising Arizona nods to Night of the Hunter with It's a Hard World for Little Things. He homages an entire monologue from one of the greatest movie villains of all time and gives it to one of the heroes of his movie oh yeah it's such and and that monologue is delivered right down the barrel in one of those confessional Mm -hmm. style shots that you're talking about yes it's so good
1: it really is yeah i think radio is mlk or a stand-in or an adherent to mlk's beliefs and bugging out and bugging is malcolm x
0: they do get together in the end too Mm mm-hmm Buggin goes to Radio Rahim and is like, hey, man, I need... You. And he
1: is definitely more, like, aggressive and militant and, uh, like, stay black and... Yeah, Mookie, Radio stay black. Radio is, yeah. like, very, like, calm and... For
0: all of his p- being... He, like, he's
1: very big but and right. he's imposing, is totally, but he's just, like, he, he is seems totally like a gentle giant. He doesn't talk very much, except for that, like...
0: A couple times, yeah, yeah, yeah but you're right, because... In that final confrontation, it's Buggin who's screaming and yelling and screaming, and and uh, Radio just stands there. You know, it, it's it's more peaceful. I'm gonna take
1: this so far, but not too far. Yeah,
0: I, I see. I too, totally too far quotes. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's infinitely. Like, I don't know if you could do that throughout the whole movie with those characters. But I think you're sure. right in a in a way. Yeah, in a in kind of a cool way. I think a lot of the characters at different times in the film embody. Embo- well, that's the but that's the thing about this movie is everyone is so multifaceted and so real that everyone is embodying like a million different things. Yeah, there's no one who's just angry. There's no mm-hmm. one who's just lazy, you know, like. ah, That uh, the word that I kept using as in my notes was was mosaic of characters. And it's such a this is a very h- big cast for a movie. It is like, j-
1: but it doesn't seem too big. No, no, you don't seem to you don't lose people.
0: Yeah, cause it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a huge cast. It just feels like a full neighborhood. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like and like you know everybody. Yeah, yeah, y- you know them well enough. And man, it like talk about effective filmmaking. You get these characters up on their feet and running so fast that just at a glance, you like Martin Lawrence. We see Martin Lawrence like fake shooting basketballs. By the way, the skinniest Martin Lawrence in history. He's oh, so dude. tiny.
1: He's a baby. But his face... A little baby boy. But his face
0: looks exactly <laughs> like his face, like, for his entire life. It's so funny. It's like someone put Martin Lawrence's head on, like, a 14-year-old boy. It's amazing. And he's good, too. Uh, I mean, his, his, his like, <laughs> weird speech impediment thing is kind of strange. But but you, you see him shooting, like, fake basketballs, and you get a little bit of bluster from him. And for the rest of the movie, you know what? You see him, and you know him. You know? Mm-hmm. Like... I feel like Spike Lee gets the, in the writing, he gets the broad strokes of people down quick in their actions, and then their dialogue defines them. Their, like, early dialogue defines them for the rest of the movie for you so that you are able to keep a cast of, like, what, 70 people, 60 people in your head the whole time. It's cool. You you said a couple times throughout the movie that the writing in particular. Oh, man,
1: the dialogue is, Woo! razor sharp
0: so sharp so fast some of the best dialogue in here i think is between Sal, Pino and vito where they're like they they almost talk in the round mm, at each mm-hmm. other where it's like like what well, who who's who's telling me i'm telling you who are you like just back and yeah. back and forth quick it almost has that like um like that lewis there's a
1: kind of like a weird shakespearean like peanut gallery sort of quality yeah it
0: does a little yeah they yeah yeah they feel like uh they sometimes feel like um like the secondary characters in a shakespeare play who are just there to make you laugh for a bit like
1: bottom and puck and yeah 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 yeah.
0: um and they also feel like the dialogue sometimes to me feels like cool wordplay too where like where like you'll change a couple of lines in a sentence to move the move the dialogue forward and then you'll like just change the oh it's
1: so Shit, I want to watch it again right I now. I know it's so <laughs>
0: it's so like intricately written. This is this is I've one of my favorite. Did you favorite catch
1: movies. more on your second watching than you did definitely, on the first time? Yeah. Definitely. I did. feel like I would catch so much more.
0: Um I remember the first time I watched it when Mookie is talking to Vito and saying like you can't let you can't let your older brother Pino smack you around just cuz uh-huh. and in the background Samuel Jackson's <laughs> waving in the window cuz he sees the food delivery guy right outside mm-hmm. and he's like I'm starving to death, you know. <laughs> I, f- I remember when I first saw that, I only caught Samuel L. Jackson on, like, the last second. And it's because Mookie turns to draw your attention to him. This time, I knew he was there the whole time, so I was like, Bird, don't miss it. I missed this last mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... Well, Spike Lee gives you so much to look at. There's so much going on in, like, the background and in people's backstories because you do get backstory. Like, mm-hmm. God, Demare's story about... um about his wife and kids. Yeah. Like... That goes by so quick, and it's almost overshadowed by the anger of the the guy in the purple jersey. I think it's a but also jersey.
1: you're not sure. Like, is it is true? he totally telling the truth? Is some of this true and some of it not?
0: Is he crazy? I've I don't know. Both times now, I think that that's what happened. I think that that is the circumstance that brought him to this sort of like half life that he's living mm-hmm. right now. You know, um, but I, I don't know. I think I think that there's so much. God, there's so many threads that run through this and everything is so... Str- there's nothing in here that's fragile or frail or... You can poke and prod at this and bend it and there's there's enough elasticity in the structure and the characters. I think you can read... You could read infinite movies into this. You know what I mean? I think that's why, partly why it's lasted so long. A lot of movies <laughs> that don't do well on the show <laughs> um, talk down to their viewer. or. Pr- oh
1: yeah, this definitely approaches you like you are intelligent and you can handle it and you can figure it out it could have given you one path you know or
0: or it could have laid out its ideas in black and white that's what i meant here's what i believe and this is what is right and this is what is wrong and then it wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about it right Mm -hmm. now the reason we're talking about it is it as a film it respects its audience enough to challenge them with questions with concepts with ideas that are difficult or unfamiliar a lot of the stuff in this was extremely unfamiliar to me. Mookie and his sister, Jade. Jade. Yeah. So Mookie and Jade are outside the pizzeria. Sal has been hitting on Jade for like five hours.
1: I don't think it's that long. Half an hour. <laughs> yeah. He's he, But he's been hitting on Jade
0: and Mookie picked up on it. But the, um, Mookie and Jade are outside and Mookie's like, I don't want you to come to the pizzeria no more. You can't come down here. Sal's hitting on you and I'm not comfortable with that. I mean, you know, he's not he's not being as polite as this. Right. He's basically like, you're my older sister, but you're a woman, and I'm out making money, and I don't want you coming to sales anymore. But yeah, they're standing in front of uh, a brick wall, plain brick wall with very prominent graffiti right behind them.
1: Tawana told the truth.
0: We were sitting there watching this, and you know it was—it's just graffiti in the background of a scene. Tawana told the truth, so I was like, I'm gonna pause this and look that name up and see what this is about. So I'm gonna read from Wikipedia really quick. The Tawana Brawley rape allegation. Tawana Vicenia Brawley Born December 15th 1971 Is an African American woman from Wappingers Falls, New York Who accused four white men of raping her in November 1987 Who'd she accuse? Two police officers Three police officers And a prosecuting attorney And yeah they, How was she found? On November 28th 1987 Brawley was found in a trash bag She had racial slurs written on her body And was covered in feces It was after that that she accused four men, four white men of raping her, including police officers and a prosecuting attorney. They were found innocent, and then she was basically sued into oblivion for defamation. And because we're watching... It
1: was, what, less than 10 years later that this came out?
0: Well, she was found in 1987. This is 1989. It was less than two Two years years. later. Yeah, so this is like, at the time, everyone would have known what that was about. Everyone. All throughout, in the background, constantly, there's evidence of racism and oppression. But in that background space, in the deeper parts of the movie, that's why I think this movie bears rewatching. And also, that's why I th- one of the reasons that I think that this movie is would be really beneficial for now is
1: mm-hmm.
0: keep keep your laptop out. Next time I watch this, I'll have my laptop out.
1: I'll just Google anything and everything.
0: Look it up because th- I thought this was throwaway graffiti, and this is a this is a powerful societal statement in the just in the middle of the movie as a background thing and think about what that metaphorically means just leaning against the wall having a conversation totally unrelated to the graffiti on the wall behind him but that graffiti on the wall and what it represents is omnipresent in their neighborhood
1: right and that's something that we don't get as white people that we don't have that like undercurrent the, the constant
0: undercurrent it's, there's a
1: whole history that we were never taught there are things that we don't know about
0: right yeah yeah that
1: was edited out of our education yes. either by like the school system or our parents just don't teach it to us that are still well that black communities know all unless about. you have a
0: really groovy college professor i had a really cool okay you
1: had one cool professor yeah yeah like, i had one gay bloke but, but that
0: Like one of my favorite moments in here is when Mr. Senior Love Daddy does the roll call and shouts out only black artists, black musical artists that he's a fan of.
1: What the list made me think of was how white people like to take things and go, oh, yeah, this is great music, and then just not give anything back to that community. How do you mean? You know, like they get, they like to uh, enjoy the fruits of the labor. Of black communities oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. not actually support black communities.
0: Yeah I know uh, I get what you're saying there was a there's a news story that they talked about on last podcast like a guy went in um, and trashed basically a, a chi- I think it was a Chinese restaurant just like a buffet style Chinese restaurant you went in and was like s- screaming slurs and invectives got arrested did a bunch of damage and part of his punishment was he was not allowed to go back to that building ever. He wasn't allowed to go to that Chinese restaurant ever and he yelled at the judge, "Where am I going to eat?" Oh, poor thing. But no, but I mean, mm. do you but like that is exactly the cognitive dissonance you just talked about. Yeah. I hate, you know, it's like I hate Chinese people, but I I love Chinese food. You know, right, it's, it's like
1: you love rock and roll, but why do you think we have it? Hang on before we move on from little things that add depth. Did you notice that there were a couple of the guys who were wearing the, um, it looks like a handmade necklace. It's, um, it's Africa. Yeah. But it's Africa painted with the black liberation flag.
0: I did not notice that. No.
1: no. Buggin' Out's got one. Radio's got one. Yeah. Um, Mookie's got one.
0: Mookie wears one mm-hmm.
1: too? Yeah. When he changes. Oh, into after that, like, a shower? Baseball jersey, but it's sales famous. And it's got his name on it. Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. He wears that at the very end of the movie too. Yeah, but
1: he's got the necklace on when he's wearing that. See,
0: I didn't notice that. But th- but, I'll I'll probably watch this ten more times before I notice half the shit that's in it. Um, one of the things, one of the moments that I really like is when Jade sits down to brush mother sister's hair. Mm-hmm. Because she's like, there, you know, there's she's just talking about basically brushing mother sister's hair, but she's she was saying. Uh, mother, sister says we ain't had a good sit down in a spell. Mm-hmm. And I just it, that was such a it's it's kind of sad, but that was such a foreign concept to me.
1: To having intergenerational relationships. Well, yeah. In a community.
0: But outside of your immediate family. Right. Like I would say other than your grandparents and my grandma's
1: who we don't have sit downs with.
0: I mean, yeah, we, I mean not regularly we, we go for yeah. a family visit, but that's right. its own vibe. This there's so many this is there's like a bajillion little moments in here. I almost think of this movie more as moments or tableaus than than scenes. Yeah, like
1: little vignettes. There are I'm definitely. Sure.
0: Yeah, there's definitely scenes, but it is kind of like a string of vignettes put together and and moments and beats that create this like totality of neighborhood, which is mm-hmm. awesome. But it also, there's a all, a lot of those vignettes reinforce this idea of community, mm-hmm. which I think is, for me personally, lacking. I don't really have a sense of community, to be honest.
1: Do you think it's a location thing or do you think it's a, a time thing? Like I feel that...
0: Well, right now it's a COVID thing.
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No. But I feel like neighborhoods are just not that tight anymore.
0: I agree. I agree um, totally
1: like we didn't even really talk to our next door neighbors whose cool. house is literally attached to ours. Yeah, we live in
0: the same house basically uh, and we haven't we probably the first year we lived here we didn't talk to them. Yeah.
1: But at, I, at
0: all. But I think it's more than that. I th- I think you're totally right though. Like this I we uh, we talk about it all the time when we walk through the neighborhood across the street which mm-hmm. is like I don't really think that quote unquote small town America exists anymore. I don't know if people are still getting together with barbecues for barbecues with people that they're not friends with you know mm. like hey come on it's a neighborhood barbecue bob i've yeah, seen doing like black parties, yeah like and, i've seen yeah. you a couple times or, and, <laughs> and
1: and you know like these like or having like poker nights where three of the neighbors on the you know you rotate or whatever right and and hey, hey i'm gonna bring yeah.
0: i'm gonna bring jim and you're like you know nowadays you're like wait who the fuck is jim
1: Back in the day, it'd be
0: like, bring Jim, bring John and Jim and Jack, you know, like it just whoever, like grab, grab everyone. Bring a case. Yeah. 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 The, the tribe is getting more insular. The neighborhoods are vanishing, the community, the sense of community, the sense of these people that live within a mile of me are part of my immediate ecosystem and I need to form relationships with them. That's all gone. Like, is it an internet thing? Do we have a single relationship with anyone within one mile of our house? Maybe, possibly, oh, we now
1: kind of have one with the neighbors. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. We're we're forming slowly forming a relationship with the neighbors, mostly because of proximity. They literally live in the same building as us. Carl might be within a mile, but other than that, uh, yeah, he's he might be a little bit more. I don't think so. I don't think we even know anyone within a mile other than the people who live in the same building as us. Well,
1: I also know what's his name on the hill yeah 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 but
0: he doesn't count he doesn't count in his (laughs) big fucking mansion on his big fucking hill (laughs) fuck that guy (laughs) (laughs) but um maybe just in this country community is falling away because we're getting more interesting we're getting more into screens and more into direct interpersonal relationships with
1: strangers across the internet you who know, you never meet in real life.
0: It's weird. It's all, actually I was fighting g- with your cousins on Facebook. It's not even that. What I was going to say <laughs> What I was going to say is there it's almost like we the only way that we have interactions with humans now is with technology as an intermediary,
1: mm-hmm. something
0: between us to keep us safe from all of the scary messiness of actual interpersonal relationships. Mm. But when you do that, you lose out on some of the warmth of having a good sit down with mother sister on, on the front stoop, you know, like that's something that in movie. Okay. You're going to think I'm totally crazy, but one of the movies that this reminded me of, and it might be because of the Italians in it was, <laughs> and maybe it's Danny Aiello, Moonstruck. This reminded me of mm-hmm. Moonstruck with like the weirdly realistic, but strange characters. The, the
1: wasn't it also made around the same time too. I feel like it was, like I think it's very a little, early nineties.
0: I think it's before, before this one, but not by much. Oh, I think okay. it's like 87 or 88. Okay. I'm not sure. I have only seen it a couple times, though we own it anytime you want to watch it. Cher. Um, yeah, dude, Cher's so good in that. Nicolas, you can't even tell me Nicholas Cage is not awesome oh. in that fucking movie. Give me the big knife off the wall. I mean, I just, I'm going to cut oh and I'm going to slice my throat. He's fucking nuts. Mm. Um, yeah, I really mm. like that. I love... Oh, man. I think the fire hydrant's the best scene in the movie because it starts in one place and ends somewhere totally different.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's like a giant dysfunctional family. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's
1: like you and all your extended family live in the same neighborhood and, it's... and you love each other but you fight and you can hate each other but you kind of love you need each other. Maybe a community is really
0: at its core just a massive extended family with all of its foibles and fuckups, but with all of the forgiveness that should be inherent to a family. you know I, I think you're right in the in the fire hydrant scene there's a sense of play mm-hmm. you know like they the some of the lo, uh, uh it's Martin Lawrence and the Lakers Jersey guy. They get um they get like coffee can like bean cans and they're using it to like yeah. direct the spray of the water and they're spraying kids and they're pick Jade picking gets, up
1: girlfriends
0: Jade gets picked up it wasn't
1: Jade it was like Tina? the girlfriend of one of the guys in that group she's cool. like the girl who oh hangs the, out. the girl in the group of she's four. she's in the biker um right. bike cycling yeah this, get up later yeah, yeah yeah
0: um so she gets picked up and walked into the water um Smiley walks in waving a picture of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And he's unperturbed. No one who's in the water is bummed that they're wet. hmm You know? And it's it's so playful and so fun.
1: Well, it's 100 fucking degrees. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it's... And it... You're and right. And everything smells like garbage, so... It's utterly upbeat. <laughs> That's a great bit later on with the smell of garbage and the flowers. But, like, it's so upbeat and so cool. And then in rolls this dude in his antique car. He shows up with his car, and they they do drench his... his Top down convertible. They they totally hose him down, and he gets pissed. And the cops show up, and the cops turn the fire hydrant off. And this guy's trying to make a complaint, and like as
1: and the cops are just kind of like that. It's not doing it. It's
0: not when the guy gets hosed down that the air goes out of the scene. It's when the cops show up
1: mm-hmm.
0: that all the fun starts to fade. Right? Because I don't think that they're hosing this dude's car down maliciously. I don't think that there is right. anger or anything. they right, just right. They're just caught in this playful mood. And they soaked this dude on a 100-degree day. And what? who gives a fuck about your car, dude? Just dry it off or take it to a cleaner. You got more, Whatever. Right. And I get that, <laughs> that sort of like pucker-faced, well, it's just private property thing. But, like, bro, you got to have a sense of humor if you're going to get through this fucking world, man.
1: You're just... Also, like... You should not have trusted them. Yes. They're clearly going to spray you around. around. Like, what are you, an idiot? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: And and I don't know. Like, I I think this is a good time to, this is a good place for this, which is like, well, what about, what about civil order? Well, What about fun, dude? Yes, this is inconveniencing some, some solid citizens. You know what I mean? But think about what it's contributing to the, to the psychic health the mental health you could say but i really want to include like the soul think about the how this this just let the water fucking run and let the kids play in it for a little bit and take a different street right or, or take it on the chin when you drive through the water think about how much benefit that is providing to this community it's 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 literally like oh this fucking heat this fucking heat and they open a vent right and who comes and shuts the vent again
1: the cops, the yeah, who
0: closes that valve? You know, this neighborhood was like starting to, at that point the neighborhood's starting to bubble up. It's right before that when they do the the, the medley of racial slurs which is kind of an interesting show. Oh, shot. yeah. And then uh, Mr. Senior Love Daddy is the one who goes yo, hold up, time out, time out y'all take a chill. Y'all need to cool that shit out. And that's the double truth, Ruth. And right after that I think is when we get the fire hydrant. Mm-hmm. So there's like tensions have bubbled over boom, we pop that vent and everything's going to be okay until the cops come and close it. You know, it's like law and order will only take you so far. You do need to have fun and you need to be able to laugh and just not get so fucking bent out of shape about shit. And that was me on my soapbox for <laughs> a couple minutes. Um, what did you think of the boombox fight? I thought it was... Um, oh,
1: dude. I love that the Latino guy concedes, <laughs> you know? I... I was just like, bro, you know you're gonna lose. Well, look at that boombox. But
0: mad props that he stepped up.
1: Yeah, you know I what guess. I mean? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a machismo thing. That's but right. Well, and, fine. and the, yeah, well, but I, what which is I, like a thing, in the like Latin cultures. So yeah, I, I, but I like I like
0: that these two men,
1: boys, mm.
0: boys to yeah. men. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank no. you, thank you. <laughs> I like that. Oh. I like that these two young people were able to <laughs> were able to like pop their tail feathers and have mm. a boombox battle. Oh yeah! But at the end, when Radio Rahim is clearly the victor, the la- the Latino dude turns He's his like, right. he turns his radio off and nods at Rahim and goes, "You got it, man." Like he he concedes the victory. Mm-hmm. I fucking think that is so classy. And another moment that. Shows me conflict, shows me tensions between racial groups in this
1: mm-hmm.
0: pressure cooker mm-hmm. neighborhood that we've got going on today, but also shows me community mm-hmm. where he's not. No one's throwing hands. Radio Raheem's boombox was louder. So we turn it down. And you know what, man?
1: We'll All listen right. to your music as long as you're here. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like the, the concession was a pretty cool community yeah. moment for me. And it Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I love that. So.
1: Can we talk about Sal? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about
1: Sal. I like Sal. I really do. I think he's inherently a good guy, mm-hmm. but he's got, you know, rough edges, like all of us.
0: He's a, he's an, he's a, he's an Italian guy in Brooklyn. Fucks up occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, but that's we said it at the beginning of the movie. Everyone does in this film. Yeah. Everybody in this movie has moments of beauty and ugliness. Every one of them mm-hmm. and I mean I I don't think it's a mistake that we spend like a couple minutes hearing about love and hate you right. know I think I think of uh, this movie deals a lot in dualities or in um, in two sides of the same coin or two sides of the same issue or seeing two sides to a person you know and I think Sal's a great example I think you're totally right he he genuinely loves this neighborhood mm-hmm um, i think
1: he loves the people too
0: i think he does as well like he he says that these are good people i've mm-hmm. never had any problem with these people right they grew up on my food i'm really proud of that i thought that's just such a great I thought that was such a great line um when Pino and sal are sitting there uh smiley at, at the end of that talk smiley comes up and is trying to sell a picture mm-hmm. and Pino goes out by the way that's all ad- libbed it was only scripted up to the moment when Smiley walks up mm. to the window and then the scene was supposed to end and Tortoro just started riffing and they kept it all in. And uh, you know how you know Danny Aiello is a top tier actor because he just goes with it and upstages Tortoro. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, But yeah, like you see Pino go out and start shit with the neighborhood. Pino is pretty much a racist all the way through the movie. Although Mookie has a great <sighs> line yeah, where Mookie goes... Um, he says, You wish you were black. You wish you were black. And he goes, What? And he's like kind of scoffing at Mookie. Where you. Kind of defensive. And this so is you where know, you... it might kind of be true. Yeah, well, this is where you see that kind of like jocular sparring between them. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like. He doesn't yell at Mookie. He yells right. at many of the other people in the neighborhood who he doesn't like. He
1: gives Mookie a lot of shit throughout the whole film. But
0: he smiles and laughs while he does it, and Mookie gives it right back to him. They have a weird relationship. What did you? Th- what else do you have about Sal? What do you think of the? What do you think of the last? What do you think of Sal's breaking of the boombox? Um,
1: you know, I feel like most people would react like that.
0: Would break the boombox?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it would be somebody who's you know really worked internally. Yeah. To diffuse that situation and have a different outcome.
0: I. I picked up more on the subtlety of the sal performance this time around, and I think that a lot of that i think a lot of that radio breaking is this is the end of the hottest longest
1: day- mm-hmm. he and just cannot fucking deal anymore he's exhausted his you know? boys are driving him crazy
0: all day long you know and and now we've got bugging out screaming in his face. And you've got radi- Second time today. Second time today you've got bugging out screaming in his Second face. Second
1: time today he's got radio in here blasting music.
0: Yeah, and this time he's not turning it off and it's loud and as he's yelling, there's four other patrons who in there who are all screaming. Mm-hmm. His sons are screaming at the patrons, at him, at each other, at Mookie Mookie's screaming and screaming every. it's just a situation that went from One of the most beautiful moments in the movie is like, you'll always have a place here at Sal's Pizzeria, I think Mm -hmm. of you like a son. Right before, right before he starts slinging around the N-word and breaks Radio Rahim's radio Mm -hmm. uh, Mm boombox, he tells Mookie that he thinks of him like a son. And in this in this movie it is made extremely clear how important the son role in an Italian family is. Vito And, and I
1: think he really does feel that way too. I, I don't think too. he's just saying it.
0: Yeah, like the look on his face when he says this was a really great day. Mm-hmm. To go from that to all the way to eleven and snap the knob off in a couple minutes, mm-hmm. I think is just it's just too much it's just too much and he just it's like a it's like a pot it's like a potato pot that is right about to boil and you look away for a second when you look back it's pouring all over everywhere yeah I, th- I thought
1: it was very realistic
0: i, I like these it these
1: boys went in looking for a fight and, and they it, were going to be there pushing his buttons till they got one
0: and it's an interesting parallel too i think that there's a there's an echo of there's an echo of the the bat on the radio in the garbage can through the window yeah it's it's, I just can't do, I cannot sit for one more second. I have to do something or die. And Sal broke a radio and Mookie broke a window. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, and that's that dichotomy thing again. That's the, that's these, we are not so different as we seem maybe. Or we are, here are two sides of a single issue. Or another way to look at it, uh, maybe given some of the, I've read about um, about uh, some of Spike Lee's more combative interviews. hmm having read that, I'm wondering if this is, you, you could read this as, and this movie doesn't give you any answers, but you could read this as, no matter how alike you think we are, we'll never be the same. You know, like, mm-hmm. there I love the way that this movie does this to you. You know, like here, I'm, I'm sitting here, and in many other movies, I could just tell you what I, how I read that. I'd be like, oh yeah, I saw that scene, and here's what I thought it meant. I'm, I have no fucking idea. That's just, there's just, it's such, it's so big and so tangled and so complicated and so nuanced and so long. The The racial tensions in this country have such an inf-
1: infinitely long history,
0: you know, like.
1: Generations. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's like trying to get your, it's like trying to get your head around.
1: The, the foundations of this country. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like trying to hold the entire, in- It's the to like hold a mountain in your head all at once it's just too much you can only ever see a couple peaks or crags you can't get the whole thing in your head it's just too big and I like that this movie lets it be that big and then lets it gives you enough peaks and crags and valleys to examine that you can get some kind of a picture together you know I love that I don't know if the end of the movie means that you know like there will always be racial strife and racial tension and no matter how no matter whether or not sal thinks you're like a son he's still a white guy you Mm -hmm. know like and i'm not i'm not just pulling this out of the ether bugging out the guy present at the big inciting incident of the climax tells mookie earlier mookie stay black and gives him shit for hanging out with Vito, who's this white boy you know like right the in in that race traitory yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bugging out is definitely not into the fact that Mookie works at an Italian pizzeria.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's what the movie lets you. Even
1: though he'll go there and he'll eat the food.
0: Bugging out is kind of a reverse of the dude who. Well, where am I supposed to eat if I can't go back into the Chinese place that I was <laughs> causing? You know, it's it's that kind of thing. Mm. This is a movie that flexes well with modern cultural context too this can this can adapt to I feel like this movie could adapt almost any time period which is one of the marks of a great film I think Um, I don't know I like to think that this movie that this movie ends with I mean the the conversation between Vito the last the last conversation we see not Vito Sal and Mookie when Mm -hmm. he comes to get paid yeah and Sal owes him $250 250 bucks and he throws $500 at Mookie and mookie picks up $300 and throws $200 back at sal
1: and says i owe you 50 bucks i
0: owe you 50 bucks and then sal goes keep it and mookie goes you keep it and they fight over 50 bucks at the end of the movie you know my f- my f- but
1: mookie still walks away with 500 bucks
0: i love the fact that sal and mookie are fighting over who owes who 50 bucks. Do I owe you something or do you owe me something? And neither one of them wants to owe the other anything. But remember, this is Spike Lee, so we're not just looking at two these two people yelling about who owes who 50 bucks. The backdrop is the totally burned out, blackened, charred shell of Sal's Pizzeria. Mm-hmm. You're you're caught up in the like, I owe you 50 bucks. You owe me. I, I owe, you owe me. And they're just going back and forth about 50 bucks. And then you realize that this doesn't matter at fucking all 50 bucks means nothing in this moment. They're standing in the wreckage of Sal's life.
1: I I think they are sort of still continuing the argument that happened yesterday. I think they're finding resolution in here.
0: Which argument?
1: The the final fight where he, Mookie ends up throwing um, the trash can through the window. Yeah. I think they're resolving that. Because eventually they end up talking about How hot it's going to be. And like, take care of yourself. You take care of yourself. That sort of situation. They end with the weather, yeah. And Mookie's going to keep working for him is, I believe, the kind of the implication.
0: I don't think so. I think Sal's done in the neighborhood, yeah. Really? He goes, what are you complaining about, Sal? You know, you're going to make out with the insurance payment. And Sal says, I don't give a shit about the money. I built this place. Mm -hmm. I built this place with my my own hands. Mm Mm-hmm. I think this utterly broke Sal and he's out of the neighborhood forever Aww. after this. But I but I I think you're right about the they end up talking about the weather and you take care of yourself. I think that I think the way that I read this this time, which is mm-hmm. different from how I first saw it. I think this time watching this movie, I think Sal is heartbroken. Utterly destroyed by what happened. But but I think he understands why Mookie did what Mookie did. I think Sal understands why Mookie threw the trash can. On some level, mm-hmm. and even though he knows that nothing will ever be the same after what happened last night between him and Mookie, or between him and this neighborhood, at least understands it and still has, a, uh, still has some respect for Mookie. I don't think I think that telling him I think of you like a son. I don't think that was a shallow thing that he said. I think he was hurt by this person that he can thought of like a son,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that doesn't change the way that he feels about it.
1: I agree with you for the most part, but I maybe it's just the like the hopeful part of me that thinks that maybe Sal is saying, all right, well, we're going to get this fixed up again and we're going to we're going to try this again, even though like I know you guys don't fully accept me, but we're going to make some changes and
0: the 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 hurt in sal's voice when he's like i built this place and you burned it to the ground you know i i don't think he i think he's done i think he's out of that that neighborhood and i think that actually there there's a the last line of the movie um when uh mr senior love daddy is reading a statement from the city Mm -hmm. about the what happened the night before and he says the city of new york will not allow destruction of property by any individual that's how that ends. They're like, we're gonna, we're gonna put together a committee to examine the uh, the consequences of last night's Blah blah blah. Down I th- in Brooklyn, I th-
1: think it was the causes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's the it says the city of New York will not allow destruction of property by any individual. The official statement doesn't even mention Rahim at all. It just talks about how bad it was that this building got burned down. Rahim died the day before, but he's not even present in the news bulletin the next day. I think that that is very telling about the state of affairs after the after the fact you know like which actually that's
1: like the system though that's not this community it's not like the community said this about what happened i just had like such a giant eye roll when he read that statement i was like oh well yeah this is exactly what a governing body would say about this well that's
0: what's that's what they're saying now. Well, not now, but that's what they were saying in like the first four days of the riots over George Floyd was, yeah. I mean, that was all the memes, which is like, this is what protesters look like. This is this is just rioting and looting. We will not stand for destruction of property. And all the rioters are like, what about the fucking dead guy? Can we not talk about the human being that was murdered? And they're like, mm-hmm. well, no, we don't, we don't stand for destruction of property. Interestingly enough, what turns the fountain off? It's destruction of a white person's property.
1: The man.
0: Yeah, man. It's like any time that money or capital or the
1: property is threatened. Rich white guy.
0: There, The the moment to me, I think the darkest moment of this whole movie is when Smiley hangs up MLK and Malcolm X on the wall in the burning pizzeria. At the beginning of the movie, Bugging Out goes, Why don't you have any brothers on the wall? And Sal's like, because I don't want this is my pizzeria and I don't I only put Italian Americans up there. So that's how that works out. So the whole inciting incident happens at the beginning of the movie and culminates in this riot at the end, right? The whole place gets trashed and is burning and it will never be a building again. Like or I mean it will obviously it's in New York, but like this pizzeria is over. This wall of fame doesn't exist anymore. The this is all just flames. It's all burned. And Smiley goes in and hangs up his pictures that he's been selling on that wall, Mm -hmm. and it's just like when I watched that man, it was just like, this is this is what they were after, you know. This is what bugging out and Radio Raheem came in to accomplish, and here they've accomplished it. But it's that I think it's but at what cost? The I think the term is pyrrhic victory, which means Mm. you. You accomplish a victory, but you're destroyed in so doing. I think this is bleak, but I also think it's kind of funny.
1: A little gallows humor. This is
0: very gallows humor where it's like, well, look, there's a, there's two black men on the wall of fame in Sal's Pizzeria. Ta-da. Yeah, what pizzeria? You know, like, right. and then the building burns down and it n- didn't matter. I think this, that moment is the, like, embodiment of the, the MLK quote at the end where it's like, an eye for an eye leaves the world blind, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. After Radio Rahim is murdered by the cops, the rest of that scene that plays out is the Malcolm X quote, the self-defense bit of the Malcolm X quote, all the way through. It's just that, man, that last scene is just so fraught. It just, it it accelerates so quickly.
1: It's so misdirected, though. Which? The the aggression, the destruction. Yeah. Like, what they really want to do is burn down the police station. Right. But they can't do that, so they burn down Sal's.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sal becomes a symbol yeah. for for this external uh, oppression. Actually, Sal has a really interesting line right before they burn his place down. He looks at the crowd and says, do what you got to do. He realizes what's happened. He's like, right. and he goes... He he." he knows
1: they're going to take a pound of flesh.
0: He doesn't... Yeah, and he doesn't step in. He's like, the, the police just murdered Radio Rahim outside my store and he's looking at this livid mob who just witnessed a horrific it's really truly traumatizing that murder is really hard to watch and sal looks at him and he just goes do what you gotta do i like that line that's i think that
1: do you think he was expecting something slightly different
0: no i think sal knew it was coming i think sal maybe thought that he was gonna die
1: that's what i mean Um, like do you think maybe he thought they were gonna get beaten to death or i
0: don't know close well you know who knows i think that that moment though this back and forth of like sal is a really kind man who is in touch with his community and sal is an angry man who screams and swings bats at customers sometimes and you get this dichotomy and i think that that line is like the cap that gives you all that is sal i think it's a good way to wrap him up you know do what you got to do he understand he understands his community enough He's like, this is where I live. He's like, I know that you guys, that we're not on the same wavelength right now. He's like, but I genuinely know what you're feeling. I f- he Think about it. He fed that guy, Radio Rahim. He fed that Hours guy. Hours before. Yeah. Well, no, since he was a kid. He grew up with, well, yeah. with Rahim. He grew up with all of these people. He's like, he's like, I cannot fucking believe what just happened. And I understand what you're all feeling. And I understand where I stand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So do what you got to do
1: he like he's grieving but he can't grieve as part of the group because he's not black not part of the group
0: yeah. yeah and i think that's part of the do the right thing thing was mookie did what he had to do sal did everybody at the end you know after what happens to raheem is doing what must be done what do you do you have any final thoughts
1: hmm. you would hope that a lot of things would have changed in 30 years yeah, or changed more in 30 years. Yeah. You asked what my one-word review was, and I couldn't give you one at first. Uh, yeah, I think I said frustrated. You did, yeah. But I said time is a flat circle. It's just, it's amazing how we keep finding ourselves here.
0: Yeah. Like, we yeah. can't
1: not be the snake that eats its own tail it's for some reason.
0: Which which is the movie because the next day everyone goes to work and it it starts over again you know like yeah it's I think I think Spike Lee felt some (laughs) some Spike I think Spike Lee is expressing that exact frustration in how he structured his film Mm -hmm. he's like here's a here's a great day and a terrible day and tomorrow will be the same thing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know because it's going to be hot again we find out the next day they say it's going to be hot take care take care of yourself you know But yeah, I think, I think this is probably, this is, this was definitely my favorite movie from film fest last year. I, I absolutely love it. Um, and if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen anything by Spike Lee, this one is of the ones that I've seen. This one's amazing. I love inside man. I think that movie is so fucking cool. It's a heist shot very differently than you... Hey, this would be fun. We could point people to other films that they can watch by directors at the end of this. And there's uh, there's another one that he did called... It's a vampire movie. I think it's called... What? Okay. It was on Netflix for ages, and I watched it one time. It is super weird, but if you want to see a very strange take on the vampire thing, I'm just going to be as vague as I can because it's a weird movie, but you got to trust Spike Lee. It's definitely weirder than this but it's called the sweet blood of jesus da the sweet blood of jesus okay vampire flick by spike lee all right this is a weird one so those (laughs) i'm intrigued yeah those would be my three this one for sure though um if you've never seen anything by him don't make my mistake start with this this is this is i think his best of the ones that i've seen we're doing a whole spot when once carl comes back we have a, a whole month of Spike Lee planned.
1: okay. So
0: this was one of the ones we were going to cover. We'll refill that slot. I just, um, I bumped it here because I, I really did think that this was worth talking about. I talk, I can talk about movies, man. Oh, my God. That is something I can. You can talk. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: was,
0: that was hard. All right. Well, we're getting out of here. Um, next week, we're talking about Get Out. Uh, and the the hits just keep coming. So... Stay cool, everyone. (laughs)